Don't be confused. No wonder why they feel entitled to stay with me for free. No wonder why they don't respect me. No wonder why they feel like they can talk to me any kind of way. No wonder why they take the keys without asking. No wonder why they come in at any time of the night. No wonder why they keep cheating. No wonder why. No wonder why. Because my boundaries don't exist. Because I fear that if I set them, that they will leave me. I fear that if I set them, they'll think less of me. That's really what's going on. You cannot enable an underperformer and get a healthy relationship at the same time. I am Taylor Chandler. I'm a licensed therapist, host of this podcast, Boundaries and Grace, and leader of my practice, Reattach. My mission is to help you shift to secure attachment, uprooting anxiety and avoidance, replacing with clarity and peace. You will shift. Part two, part two. All right. Um, the question is, hey, y'all, welcome back. Welcome back. Question is, how to stop crying every time someone does something nice to me? Okay. The question is, hey, the question is how to stop crying every time someone does something nice for me? Here's the answer. Believe that you are worth doing nice things for. That's what, believe you are worth doing nice things for. If I believe that I am unworthy, I will respond inappropriately to things that symbolize worth. If I believe that I am unworthy, I will respond inappropriately to things that symbolize my worth. Okay, what do I mean by that? You're either going to reject it, that's your avoidant side, or you're going to cling to it and give the person too much power over you, and that is your anxious side. Okay, both of those are inappropriate responses to someone simply reflecting your worth back to you. You're worth it. (laughs) You're worth it. But when I don't believe it, I will deny it, and so I'm either going to reject, I reject it. And another, another example of denying it is giving you so much power because I don't really think it's mine. So I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give it back to you. I feel uncomfortable. These are people like in little ways it shows up like when someone compliments you and you're like, I like your shoes too. And you're like, you don't even, you don't, you don't, or you do. And, but you still just felt like I have to give you something back. We respond inappropriately to things that symbolize our worth when we don't believe that we are equivalent to the action. Okay. So this is like, so this is a self sabotage, self sabotage, right? I'm going to, I count myself out before you do. I count myself out. I either reject, I reject the good thing or I give the, I give you too much power. Now we are no longer equals in this equation. In either, in either circumstance, we are not equals in this, in this um, situation. Let's move on. How to support someone with victim mentality without enabling it. I know you're not going to like this. I have an episode called Love You to Death in season five. Four. I don't know, y'all. I have so many seasons. Season six. Season six, Love You to Death. Okay. 
How to support someone with victim mentality without enabling it. Here's the answer. Let them experience the consequences of their decisions. Let them experience the consequences of their decisions. If they fall, they fall. If it hurts, it hurts. If you drown, you drown. Okay? Let the, the reason why I called that episode Love You to Death is because in your helping an underperforming person, an irresponsible person, you are hurting them because they, they do not develop the skills that they need to live, a, live their life on their own. They are codependent on you. They also often, it often appears that they have power over you too, because they do like you give it to them. Talk about that in a second, I think. So you need to let how to support someone with a victim mentality without enabling it. Let them experience the consequences of their decisions. If they fall, they fall. If it hurts, it hurts. If they drown, they drown. Okay. I don't literally mean if someone is drowning in a physical pool that you don't help them. Okay. Understand we're painting a picture. You're painting a picture. We're talking about the consequences of life decisions. Okay. Confront. You know, here's the thing for you. This is the, the per, people that ask this question. This is what you really need to do. Okay. Cause that was really the light work. Let them experience their consequences. Okay. Now here's your problem. Confront your need to feel special and uniquely necessary for their life. (laughs) Confront your need. I'm raising my voice because it's important. Confront your need to feel special and uniquely necessary for their life. You likely have a hard time letting them fail because your role is their savior and you fear they will not like you or stay with you if you stop saving them. I'm going to read it again. You likely have a hard time letting them fail, the underperforming person, the irresponsible person, the person with the victim mentality, the one that's always in need, the one that's always hurt, the one that's always sad, the one that's always falling apart, the one that is always broken. They are healing forever. They are always, always in pain and distress. You likely have a hard time letting them experience the consequences of their own decisions because your role is their savior and it, and you fear they will not like you or stay with you. They will not keep you around if you stop saving them. And you wonder why they are drain, draining you. You wonder why you're so tired. You wonder why they're so entitled. This is what I, this, you know, here's what I need y'all to understand. It's, I said this in the last live, right? Don't be confused. Do not ever leave my, don't leave my page confused. You should know exactly what's going on. It's, you should leave being like, not that things are perfect, but you should leave being like, no wonder why they feel entitled to stay with me for free. No wonder why they don't respect me. No wonder why they feel like they can talk to me in any kind of way. No wonder why they take the keys without asking. No wonder why they come in at any time of the night. No wonder why they keep cheating. No wonder why. No wonder why. Because my boundaries don't exist. Because I fear that if I set them, that they will leave me. I fear that if I set them, they'll think less of me. That's really what's going on. Okay, don't play with me on this one. This one is like, I just, come on. 
Okay? So that's what's really going on. You cannot enable, I'll back out now. That was a little bit, I know it was a little bit intense, but kind of got to get real serious sometimes. Okay? You cannot enable an underperformer and get a healthy relationship at the same time. Okay? Not going to happen. You cannot enable an underperformer, an irresponsible person, someone who is not hitting the mark. You cannot enable that behavior and get a healthy relationship at the same time. I'm saying that because it sounds obvious, but I'm saying that because apparently it's not. That's number one. But because in someone's enabling, in someone's excusing, and that's a better word, I think, for people to really be able to relate to. In you excusing people's behavior, you are creating the dysfunction that you are asking me to help you resolve. In your, hey, in your enabling, excusing someone's underperformance, someone not hitting the mark, at least that would satisfy you, okay, your standard, in you allowing for that, you are co-creating the dysfunction that you are paying me to help you resolve, okay? That is sabotaging your life. You're sabotaging our work together, okay? You're sabotaging your own goal primarily. That's the number one problem, okay? That it's your life that you are actively working against. Wow, she says I'm a genius. Thank you. I take that compliment very seriously. Okay, y'all got that? You you cannot enable underperformance and get a healthy relationship at the same time. All right, let's move on to the next question. How to work on contentment. This was an interesting one. How to work on contentment slash satisfaction with a therapist. What are the mechanics? And I love that word, the mechanics, okay? But anyway, what are the what, how to work on contentment slash satisfaction with a therapist? I think what you're asking is... Um, how should I approach with my therapist trying to get that? That's what it sounds like to me, okay? If you're on here, then um, correct me. But it sounds like you're asking, how do I, um, how can I, um, with my therapist, achieve contentment and satisfaction? Achieving satisfaction happens when you let go of what you can't control and you control what you can. I'm not saying propel yourself into darkness and chaos, okay? Like, just don't try to do anything, okay? That's not it, okay? That's not it. That's not it. But controlling what you can control and letting go of what you can't. That helps to increase your self-efficacy. It increases your confidence and you stop chasing. Here's kind of like the bottom line. Happiness is elusive. Happiness evades you when you think that you can't get it. Okay. When you think it's not available to you, that's, that's, that's when it evades you. I'm going to slow down on this one because I really want y'all to understand this. Okay. In the chase of, if you believe that I, I have to do something special and unique, I have to go on a hunt for happiness, that is what creates the illusion of the evasion. I'm saying the illusion for a reason, the illusion that happiness is evasive, the illusion that you have to do something special and unique or you have to be someone other than who you already are or that you're not worthy of it right now in the present. If I believe that I have to overhaul things in order to achieve contentment or satisfaction, that is what creates the illusion that I can't get it. I usually don't like when people say, read that again, but I'm going to ask you to rewind the tape and watch that again, okay? Because I think that that's a little bit of an interesting um, kind of like thing to wrap your mind around. Does it, did anybody get anybody get that? Did anybody catch it the first, second, or third time around that I just try to lay that out? 
If I believe that it evades me, that's what creates the illusion of the chase. That's what creates the illusion of the evasion. That's what creates this this belief that I don't have it. It's not available to me. I'm not worthy of it right now. Okay? So I want you to understand that as like an experiential change that you can make. Now, practically speaking, because I want to give you something practical that you can do now. Okay, I want to give you something practical because that's kind of like a mindset, light, like a life experience change, like how you're going to just change your whole perception, which I believe that you need to do. But also, I want to give you something practical. Rethink social media goals. Okay, rethink social media goals. That means if you have to block, if you have to mute, I literally, I look at stuff sometimes, I, I, I hold the little button down now and I say, show me less of this on the explore page. I say, show me less. If it's going to create some sort of disruption in me, okay, and I can control that, show me less algorithm, show me less. Okay, unfollow. I block things like Shade Room, Justin L.A. Boy, Spiritual World. I bl- I only see that if someone's it's a screenshot or a re- somebody does like a stitch video or something with it. I don't want that in my um, space. Okay, these are things you can control. So things like um, for people that are asking this question, often I'm I'm imagining that it feels like other people are moving on with their life or they're achieving things in relationship or maybe it's functional for you, maybe it's materially for you. Okay. There's a difference between using image as motivation and image or, or and then like that's a helpful thing. But if image or video or conversation triggers feelings of um, lack, fear, feels like I can't get it, feels like it's only for some people and not for me, regardless of if that's the message that they are literally saying or not, if it's triggering that in you, I suggest that you remove it. And I suggest that you don't let the goal go, but I suggest that you follow things this is again, I'm giving you a practical solution, right? That you follow things that give you ways forward in that and doesn't feel like it's it's um, something that's being taken away from you. Okay. And honestly, sometimes you got to be honest with yourself and say, I don't want to see all the engagement pictures. I'm talking about the relational side. Sometimes you got to be honest with yourself and say, you know what, this is something that I really need to be working on within myself. But looking at all of these rings on the explore page is making me feel sad. And you know what, if that's where you are right now, it's okay to honor that feeling and remove the triggers. It is okay. It's okay. You do not have to make yourself look, you don't have to make yourself look at the stuff. You don't, if it's actively triggering you. Okay. Now what I would love for you to get to a place where that doesn't feel like that is like taking something from you. I would love that for you, but we're talking about right now. Okay. And if right now you have to, you got to gear up to get on Instagram because you don't know who's getting engaged today, or you don't know what you're going to see on the explore page, the weddings, Okay, the love pages. And if that feels triggering to you, it is okay to honor that experience. Okay, and to say, you know what, I want my intention is to get to a place where I can genuinely feel happy for people in that space. But right now, that ain't me. Okay, can somebody just be honest with themselves and say, you know what, right now, that ain't me. That's something I need to work on. And I need to flush that kind of that kind of resentment, that kind of fear out of my system. But right now, I cannot actively be working against myself, consuming things on social media that make me feel like happiness is for other people and not for me. Okay, you can honor that, right? You can. Do y'all see the balance there? Okay, I'm not saying stay super triggered forever. I'm saying we have the intention of moving forward. But if right now it's too much, it feels overwhelming and you don't want to see it, mute, block, do what you got to do. Okay, someone said they unfollowed those pages. Good, good, good. 
I want to go back to this comment being here and now and not being in the future because this all really goes together, right? So if I can practice being here and now, achieve finding my alignment in the present without anything added to me, okay? Happiness is here now. Happiness, if you have to write it down, I, and I ask clients, I, I really do ask clients to do this, and I talk about this in Over the Threshold. It's the last episode of season four. Get some paper, put it on a put Sharpie and a sharp, not a pen, not a pencil, bold print. With your own handwriting, happiness is here now. Happiness is here now. You don't. It's not somewhere outside. It's not somewhere. You don't have to go find another person to 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 achieve it. Okay. It's not. A, and even the word achieving is inappropriate because you need to realize happiness now. We realize it. Okay. You understand the difference. Achievement. To me, implies that there's a chase that there is. You have to obtain it. There's something you have to do to get it. I want you to realize happiness now that it's already available to you in the present. It might not look like your vision board right now. It might not be the people that you want in your life might not be acting the way that you want them to act. But there are other possibilities that are available to you now that are in alignment with your happiness now, now. Okay, that's all I'm going to say about this, because that's a that's an experiential thing. What I mean by that is you literally have to be in your life. It's not like this like the homework assignment is to live your life differently. That's what I mean by experiential. Okay, I'm asking you to experience your life differently. This is not a worksheet. This is not a podcast episode. I said I talk about some of these concepts and it's still in there. I'm like, this is experiential. You have to experience your life differently. This is not a worksheet. This is not a fill in the blank, multiple choice kind of thing. It's not about getting the right answer. It's about experiencing your life in a way that is aligned with who you really are. Okay. That's what realizes our happiness. That's what gets us the experience that we want. Okay. And when we start to do that more often, we realize that there it's not things or another person or any other people that creates that experience. It's literally how I'm living my life. It's choosing my alignment. It's choosing to do the things in the moment that are aligned with my highest, most ideal self that are aligned with the feelings that I want to experience. Okay. That are aligned with the feelings that I, what, what can I do right now that are aligned with the feelings that I want to experience in my life every day and every moment as often as possible. What can I do right now that fits that alignment? Okay. There are things available to you now. All right, let's move on because I feel like I could really keep going on that. All right, why is it hard? Did y'all get that? Why is it hard to practice not being attached to someone who is giving you mixed signals? Let's talk about like the brain part of that first, okay? Why is it hard to practice not being attached to someone who's giving you mixed signals? Intermittent reinforcement. Another word that's more common on the internet is breadcrumbing. Okay. I want to talk to you about the science of that. Okay. So in the nature of rewards, when you are rewarded every once and when you're rewarded consistently, it gives you first the, the, um, you start to associate that behavior with a positive outcome. Okay. Rewards work. It works for children. It works for adults. Okay. Rewards work. Conditioning is a key word for you. Okay. Then you start to reward every once in a while, okay? So it becomes fewer and farther between. As the conditioning should say, as I become more conditioned, I don't need as many rewards to do the good behavior. Now it's becoming more of a habit, okay? 
And now I just expect that I, I, I expect for myself that I do this. And I also expect a good outcome. And I also sometimes get rewarded and that feels really good too. Right. Um, when breadcrumbing is referring to this same system where sometimes you get a reward and it makes you want to keep pursuing the relationship or it makes you want to stay engaged with the relationship, but sometimes you don't. And when you don't in attachment world, that throws you into anxiety and depression. Okay. That throws you into, into it, that you're now your insecure attachment is triggered. Okay. So, um, I'm just, I'm just, I'm sharing that with you. So you understand like how the brain is working. You start to, you then start to try to get the reward by doing more of the behavior that in attachment world is benefiting the other person, but draining you. Okay. It's making, it's making me now the relationship is bit, is more performance based than relationally based. I'm not here. Are you here for me? Or are you here for what I can do for you? Are you here because you like me? Or are you here because of the way that I, 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 um, I'm able to make you feel. Okay. So now I get into, I get into like a performance based relationship rather than a relationally based performance based foundation rather than a relational foundation. Okay. So that's one of the, that's one of the reasons why it's a big reason why there's something like something like intermittent reinforcement and bread slash breadcrumbing is so effective. Okay. Because you're, you're being trained. And I don't mean this in like a, I don't mean, I don't, I don't want you to, uh, to associate this with, I'm not calling you an animal. I'm, I mean, but you're, it's trained conditioning is that. Okay. It's like people training. So you are being trained, whether intentionally or unintentionally. I don't really care. I don't really care. We're not talking about narcissism, narcissism in particular. Okay. I'm not talking about sociopaths or, or, um, intentionally malicious people, but I am saying that regardless of intention or not, if you are getting sometime re- sometimes rewarded and sometimes nothing, it motivates you to try to get the reward again. Relationally, we're talking about pursuing something that I'm not really sure how you feel about me. Pursuing something, trying to get your affection, pursuing something, trying to get the love. Okay. But when that, when that reward goes away, when the love isn't there, when the affection gets pulled back, it actually triggers me to do more. Okay. Because I'm imagining there's a reward waiting for me. I just don't know how many more times I have to show up like this in order to get it. So then you see how you end up in a loop, right? You see how you end up in a loop. That makes sense to y'all. Hey y'all, pardon the interruption. If you're getting something out of this episode, if things are lighting up for you, if it is helping you understand things better, then please, I appreciate you giving back into this work. Um, The links to my Cash App, PayPal, and Venmo are linked in the show notes, but on Cash App and Venmo, it's the same name, Tay Chand, with a D on the end, Tay Chand. And on PayPal, you can find me, Taylor, at IamTaylorChandler.com. So thanks a lot for listening. If you're getting something out of it, drop that five in the offering bucket and let's get back to the Q&A. There is literally, uh, if you, if you're interested in that kind of thing, like the science of it, Google Pavlov, okay, Google Pavlov and the dogs, okay. So this guy, anybody heard of him? Okay, so this guy did an experiment um, giving dogs treats, and then he he uh, basically basically like it's a what does he do? Pairs a bell and a treat together. So every time, um, at first, whenever the bell sounds, they get a treat. 
Okay, and the dog salivates. Every time the bell sounds, they get a treat. The dog salivates. Eventually, it turns into where you don't even have to give the dog a treat. The dog salivates anyway just by hearing the bell. And it's it's interesting, and you're, it's gonna make it's gonna make your anxious attachment make a whole lot of sense too for some of y'all that are interested in that kind of thing. Now, here's the other part of this. Aside from the neurology piece. You don't want to let it go. The question is this. Why is it hard to practice not being attached to someone who's giving you mixed signals? Because you really don't want it to be mixed. You really want it to be positive. You really want the green light. And so you're holding out for the treat. You're holding out for the treat, but all you're getting is the sound of a bell. That is a mixed signal. Wow. I, if, I've ever, if I've ever landed a plane, I landed that one. That is a mixed signal. I'm hearing a bell. But there ain't no treat, okay? And I'm going to keep, and now I'm salivating for you. So um, we really, you really want that treat to be presented. So that's another reason why it's hard to actually accept that the signal is actually giving you a no, there's no treat coming. No, there's no treat coming. And it's hard to accept that because there used to be a treat here. I used to hear the bell and there used to be a treat. And I'm just, I wonder, maybe today is the day. Maybe to, maybe this is that bell. Maybe finally it's coming back through the door and uh, it doesn't. Okay. Worse is when it, I think sometimes worse is when it actually does and it gets people, it, it reignites the hope like, oh, we're back on track and you're really not. Okay. So um, be aware, be aware of that. Uh, when we're in that state, when we are salivating for the treat, okay, you, we will make yellow look like green. Okay. Yellow looks like green. And I want you to actually, I want you to literally think of this. You know how you're in the car, right? And you get that yellow light, you know, when you got somewhere to go, you run, you going through the, well, let me talk about myself. I'm going through the yellow, right? I'm not really, I'm actually, I'm actually willing when I got somewhere to go, I'm more willing to risk going through the yellow and it turning red. Cause I, I just feel like I gotta, that, that one light is really going to make a difference. Right. When you don't, when I don't have somewhere that I want to go, or I'm not trying to go from thing to thing, right? The yellow light looks more red. I'm not going to risk the same. I'm not going to speed up the same way because really, I'm really not, there's not a goal that I'm trying to achieve. That's called healthy detachment in, in attachment world, healthy detachment where I want you, I, I have the intention of aligning with you, of being with you, but I'm not going to risk myself to try to achieve a goal for with you. I'm not going to, I'm not going to come out of myself. I don't want the goal so bad that I don't pay attention to your yellow. You telling me to slow down. I'm going slow. Matter of fact, I might go slower. Okay. Cause your heart's on the line. You understand what I'm saying? So when you, when you, when you're, when you are, when you, I don't want to say addicted. I don't want to say obsessed, but here I am saying it. When, when, you, when, when that intention has turned into obsession, when that intention of being in relationship has turned into, I want this no matter what you do, I'll, I'll stick in it no matter what happens, you're in yellow, you're, you're running yellows, you're running reds, okay? You're, running, you're seeing yellows as green and it re, you really should be seeing them more as red, okay? So what I'm saying is healthy detachment is have the, have the goal in mind, have your intention in mind, but don't risk yourself, your physical, mental, emotional, spiritual health in order to get it. Because if, sometimes it's a matter of time before that yellow light really turns red and you ran it and now you get in a ticket or, there's, or you get T-boned or something happens. 
right? Something happens. I'm giving you an example, right? I'm just, I'm giving you a metaphor. You understand what I'm saying? Something happens. All right, here's a good question. Is uh, They're all good questions. I like these questions. Y'all doing okay? Um, is there a somatic element of attachment trauma slash insecurity? What do you do? What, so what she's talking about, what this person's talking about is, is there like a body component? Okay, is there a body component to this thing? Is there something going on with my body that's important when we're talking about attachment trauma or insecurity? And the answer is absolutely. Um so our trauma is is largely related to our body. Our trauma is like some some like to think of it as, and I do as well, a trauma like a something I remember and experience is locked into your body, okay, as like a pattern of response, a negative pattern of response, a, re, a dysfunctional pattern of response that creates negative outcomes. So it actually there's a, absolutely a somatic a body element to it. When we're talking about the nervous system, that really comes to mind, right? My nerve my nerves are heightened. My nerves are. Um, are, I don't know another word for it. My nerves are, I'm edgy. We'll put it like that. Um, tight, uh, clenched jaw, tight muscles. So all of those things are body things. Okay. Uh, so absolutely. There's a somatic element. And for sure, I have come to realize, especially more recently that, um, I am not that person. I am not that therapist. I am not that coach. Other, uh, there are people who intentionally, um, are they are trained in that kind of work? They like that kind of work. They um, they're passionate about helping you through that kind of work. I'm not. I'm not. I'm a, I'm a cerebral therapist. I'm a help you think right. Okay. I'm a reorder reorder the brain. Let's get let's get us thinking right and moving forward. I'm a mover, mover, mover. Okay. But there is absolutely a necessity for the body work. Some people need a higher degree of that than others. I've come to realize more recently, uh, I've recognized more recently how to recognize those people and also how to refer them more appropriately. Okay. And I don't, I no longer try to do my best with them because my best is not, it's not good enough. There are some people where if their degree of anxiety is so heightened that, um, and of course I deal with all kinds of people with anxiety, but I have a, I'm recognizing I have a cap where there are some people that have such a high degree of anxiety that I am not their first, I am not their best first stop, okay? And that might be some people, there are definitely going to be some people that rewatch this stuff. And so I tell you that. I just tell you that, okay? And the way that that kind of comes out is you are you are asking for the resolve, and I know that you're willing to do it. Like, I know that you want to do it, right? Um, and I believe you. And I also know that the sympathetic nervous system, which is like fight, flight, freeze, is so activated that even in the face of me, literally, we could be tracking with each other. I'm understanding you. I'll get, I get exactly where you are and you agree that, but the nervous system is getting in our way. And I say it's getting in our way because I am not competent enough to help that level of anxiety. Okay. And so in that case, that's where you want to go to someone who is well-trained, competent, and passionate, has a, has a true heart for that. And not someone who, who was like me, who was like, I know what's going on and I could try, but I don't want you to, I don't want to just give, I don't want to give stuff my best shot. I, I want to do the thing that I know, like I'm the best person for it. Okay. And so, um, that's important for people to know. Now, um, it's also normal for someone to not know 
where they're at. It's like, am I that person? Am I too? And when if you talk to me, I'm going to tell you, okay? You talk to some, So you talk to someone who um, can be honest with you, okay? Can be honest with you and um, and has a, a history of referring out when, when it's not appropriate for them to take clients, then you got a better chance of them um, being able to uh, recognize that in you and get you to the right place faster. Does that make sense for everybody uh, so far? A couple other things I want to tell you about that. Um, so I want you to look into DBT. Okay. DBT is a good one. Uh, somatic therapy. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. So DBT is another method of therapy where, um, they focus more on emotional regulation. So emotional regulation is absolutely a part of my work, but to the degree that some people need it is not my strong suit. That's not my strength. Okay. If you want to talk to me about it, then we can talk like on a free call and I can, I can help you to understand. I can help you to understand that. That's, those are the two things that I wanted to point out, somatic therapy and DBT um, and the importance of being referred to the right place. Even if I have some good answers for you, so that anxiety, that sympathetic nervous system can get in the way of the best way that I work for you. Okay. That's all I'm going to say about this. We have to move on. All right. Um, thoughts on connection between rejection and abandonment. I think about rejection like the pregame to abandonment. Okay. I think about rejection like the pregame to abandonment. The signals that abandonment is right around the corner. Rejection, I think of as like a thousand tiny cuts. A thousand tiny cuts. Rejection happens can happen in very small, subtle ways. It can also happen in very obvious ways, like I don't want you for the job or I don't want to be with you. Those are very like clear signs of rejection. But rejection can happen in very subtle ways, very subtle ways of invalidation. Someone, um, you expressing something, um, you expressing a genuine feeling that you're having and someone bypassing it, whether it's intentional or not, that can be received as rejection. And we know that with trauma, it's a very, it can be, it's a very subjective experience. So it's about how I perceive it. It's about how I receive it. Okay. And so rejection can happen in so many different ways. Um, rejection is like the pregame to abandonment. I want to talk about this thing. Because I think that um, I could go down like the kind of common attachment lane with this, but I want to give you something different because this came up in the group that um, we were having reattach and we were doing group three. It's like my favorite group. Were we doing group three? We were doing group four. It's like my other favorite group (laughs) session. We were talking about control and we're talking about um, how an insecure attachment, both the anxious person and the avoidant person um, are seeking control. I want to control this because I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm perceiving that there's a threat in the environment. I'm seeking control. They just control in different ways. I want to, I want to highlight this because I thought this was really, I think um, what, what our conversation turned into was we got into existential crisis. We got into this, um, we got into what rejection and abandonment means in an existential way, like in a very high, at a very high level, what does it really mean to me to be rejected or to be left? And I want to, I want to highlight this because I think it's going to I just think it's interesting. I just, I like having conversations about this kind of thing. Um, and I think it puts it in a different light than just something like, oh, well, my childhood. Well, yeah, your childhood. And there's this really high, high level fear of what if I don't matter? What if I don't exist? Oh, you like that group too? Thank Alexandra. You like that? Um, the control group or the emotional needs group? The control group. I love the control thing. So, uh, 
at this high level, if I'm rejected or abandoned, what if that means that I don't matter? What if I just disappear? And I know that you might think, well, I know I'm in a physical body. I know I'm not just going to go away. But ex- but existential crisis is a lot about like my 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 experience of myself. Maybe not necessarily what reality is, but my experience of reality. Meaning that rejection and abandonment can take on a very high level, super anxiety inducing meaning. If you leave me, I don't matter. If you leave me, it's like I don't exist. Okay. And I'm painting that picture for you because, um, I'm painting that picture for you because I want to help to, I guess it's like normalizing the anxiety that comes with rejection and abandonment. Okay. That are the anxiety that that can come with rejection and abandonment that on a very high level, it can feel like I don't matter to you or like if you leave me that I don't exist. I think that the United States has a much more difficult time with this than plenty of other places in the world because of our emphasis on achievement and celebrity culture. Okay. This idea that like this, like, um, hoarding kind of culture. Like I just need to get more and more. I need more followers. I need more cars. I need more square feet. I need more people. I need more lovers. I need more. I need more. I need more therapy. Okay. I just need more. I need it all. I need it. I'm binging. We're a binging culture. Okay. We are a hoarding culture. And so I think that the United States has a more difficult time with this because it, because if, if it means so much to me to have all of this stuff, then it means a whole lot if I lose it. You can't just have it one way. If it means a whole lot that I have it, it's going to mean a whole lot if I lose it, which means that I'm really going to do my very best, and it doesn't work out, but I'm going to try my best to control things by keeping them very, very close and by keeping my hands tightly wrapped around them, okay, which creates naturally a lot of anxiety and a lot of depression if something doesn't go your way. Are y'all following this? I'm kind of taking us in 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 a different lane with that. Um, I want to highlight this before we move on. You can be, the control group is in my group reattached and the re, the reattached waitlist is in my bio. The next group is on October 9th. And then after that's the last group. So then we'll go into 2023. Um, last thing, understanding you can be countercultural. You as an individual, no matter where you are in the world, you can be countercultural. You can create meaning out of your life based off of your core values and how you want to live your life, your ideal experience. You can be countercultural, okay? And um, I recommend it. I recommend it because um, if you wrap your value and your confidence up in people and things, then you are edgy, okay? You're edgy. You are edgy naturally because if things don't go the way that you want them to go, you have a really big problem. So it's a really helpful. And then I'll stop here because I don't want to go on a sermon and I will on this one. I could. So it is very helpful to wrap your value up in things that, um, how do I say this without going to that, to like a super, super high or in deep place, wrapping yourself up in your own internal worth. How about that? Let's just, how about that? Okay. How can you, how can you realize the value of yourself without anything added or taken away from you? Okay. Let's just put, I'm going to, I really, I have to pin that there. I have to just pin that. Okay. Wrapping yourself up in things that you cannot control is going to create a large problem for you. I'll put a period. 
Don't get me started, Alexandra. Do not hype me up because you know we're about to get into a whole lot of can. All right, next question. How do you deal with the relational shifts that occur once you are aware of the dysfunction? How do you deal with the relational shifts that occur once you become aware of the dysfunction? Great question. Okay. So when people start doing this kind of work and you, or especially if you come to a workshop, people are like, oh gosh, who am I sleeping with? (laughs) Who is my family? Like, it's like, oh my God, who is my, who are my friends? Right. So a lot of, so it, it can be very disruptive to the normal flow of life. So how do you deal with those shifts once you become aware of dysfunction? You basically, you're starting to become kind of like a different person. You're starting to, you're starting to be aware of yourself in a new way. You're starting to be aware of things that are triggering to you, things that are unhealthy to you and things that you don't like, things that you've accepted that you know that you now need boundaries around. So there's, there can be a lot of, uh, it's a transition time for a lot of people. So here's what you can do. Understand first, I want, I'm going to say this first, understand that the other person, whoever that other person is, whatever context, the other person does not have to, um, apologize for who you accepted them for before your growth. (laughs) Understand the other person does not have to apologize for your decision to accept them before you realized who they were. Uh, Okay. When you realize, like, when you start realizing all of these things, a lot of times, this is normal, you start to look at people like, I can't believe you. I can't believe you are who you are. I can't believe. (laughs) I can't believe it. I can't believe I was sleeping with you. I can't believe I've been married to you. I can't believe that I had kids with you. I cannot believe you. They do not have to apologize for you not being aware of what you needed. Before you became aware of it, they don't have to make amends with you for your decisions. It doesn't mean that there aren't things that that might need to be resolved and worked out. I'm saying very clearly, you can't when in your growth, well, you can do whatever, but it's helpful to not in your progress, in your growth, in your awareness to go back and say, you owe me for what I didn't know about you. That's not their problem that you didn't know or you weren't aware or you accepted things that you wish you wouldn't have. That's your problem, actually. Okay, so you've got to take responsibility for your choices up and up to this up to the point. And then you have to take responsibility for setting the appropriate boundaries now that you know what you know. I think some people ask me that kind of question. How do you deal with the relational shifts that occur once you become aware of the dysfunction? A lot of people will say, break up. Leave them, do all kinds of stuff. And I'm telling you, look at yourself, look at yourself, look at yourself and see what you've really done and be like, you know what? I did this. I did this. Even in my unawareness, I did it. Even in my not knowing, even in my, I, I, I thought it would, I, I, I should have done this and I didn't, I, I let this go and I shouldn't have, even in that it is all still yours. Okay. It's all still yours. So, um, other people are not your problem. You're your problem. That's pretty much what I'm saying. How many times will I say it? I kind of like saying it. Other people aren't your... It's like, the question is, you know, how, what do I do now that I'm aware of the dysfunction? I'm not going to punish people for not... No, I'm not going to punish people, somebody for accepting them before I knew what I knew. That doesn't mean that we're going to continue on the way that we always have been. Doesn't mean that either. But I'm not going to punish you for my unknowing or my unwillingness to have done something before I decided to do it. 
Other people are not your problem. You are your problem. Ultimately. Bottom line. Um, learn to. Okay. And here's, and then here's what you can do after you've done that. Um, yes, 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 yes. You know, I just want to say shout out to y'all because in the comments, like in, in all of these lives that I do, y'all are always like so attentive and you're tracking and it's always really positive. I have never had to like do any weird stuff on the live. Like I've never had to be like, what are you doing here? Like, why are you being negative? Like y'all are like really tracking and really taking it in. And I just want to say, I appreciate you for that. Okay. That's really nice. Cause it's, especially when talking about stuff like this, it's easy for things to get, go left. Um, all right. So here's what you can do aside from those things, taking responsibility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Learn how to respectfully make known what you have realized you need and what your requests are. Learn how to respectfully, I underlined that, learn how to respectfully make known what you have realized you need in relationship and what your requests are. We cannot go into how to do it and what to do if they say no and all that kind of stuff. We can't do that right now because we're just answering the questions as they are, um, but you can learn how to do that. And it is possible to, to negotiate and compromise with people who genuinely want to figure out how can we make this relationship work? Knowing what we know now, knowing what we know now, I'm still interested in relationship with you. How can we make this work? And that's not always romantic. That's family. That's friends. That's I'm, I'm different now. I have different needs now. I actually, I've had the needs that I always have probably, and now I'm just learning how to express them. I finally realize that I'm worthy, right? And it might not sound like that in the conversation, but that's the internal experience. And now I would love to still have a relationship with you, but there are some things that I need to be different in order for us to do this in a way that allows me to be the most emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually healthy. And I imagine it's also going to positively impact you because if I am operating as my authentic, full, complete, confident self, and you are able to do that, that actually allows us to have the best relationship possible rather than me maybe holding resentment towards you for not being who I want or need you to be and not saying anything at all. This actually gives us an opportunity to come to a deeper understanding of who we are. And sometimes that means that we realize I can't be that for you. I, you know, I, we, we, our relationship was actually based on the dysfunction that we were able to, that we were uh, tolerating. Okay. And now that someone or, or both of us are not willing to tolerate that dysfunction anymore, maybe we're not willing or able to be who we need each other to be in order to have a healthy relationship. The bottom line is you need to know, you need to know, you need to know what's in alignment and what's not. So those conversations are difficult, but they ultimately lead to your best result because you get the things that are most aligned with you. You might not get who you wanted or who you thought you needed. It might not be that. It might not be who you wanted, who you thought you needed, or who you had in mind. But I want you to understand that that can be different than your best outcome. And it often is, right? I, I, was, listening to, um, I was listening to a sermon like a couple of days ago. And he was just highlighting how um, Dr. Darius Daniels, like, yeah, it was Dr. Darius Daniels. He's about to do a relationship series. And he was talking about how, um, you know, when you are, stuff that we talk about here, right? When you are, um, when you choose someone out of insecurity and you, you're going to get that match. And so when you're healthy and you're looking at the insecurity, it becomes in a way like he didn't use this word. I'm using this word. There's like a repulsion, an aversion to that. Okay. It's normal. It doesn't mean that anyone did anything good or bad. It just means that we are maybe perhaps no longer aligned. Okay. 
I don't remember. I don't know what you, I, I, I'm sorry, Andrea. I missed the comment. I don't know what you're asking me to repeat. If you give me some context, I can, I can probably, I can maybe remember it. Okay. So sometimes it works out the compromise and negotiation, and sometimes it doesn't. What we want is the best aligned outcome. We don't want to, we don't want to associate your best outcome with a particular person. Okay, or a particular, like it's got to be this or that. Okay, because your best outcome might not be who you had in mind or who you thought that you needed. Okay, when we have chosen out of our insecurity, there's some problem. There's going to be naturally some things that are kind of weird about the relationship and dysfunctional naturally, because if I chose you in my unhealthiness, it is based off of unhealthy perception. Are y'all, I'm drilling this thing. So y'all getting it? And based on unhealthy perceptions. So now I'm healthy. Things look different, right? Learn how to respectfully make... Oh, okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Ashley. So learn how to respectfully make known what you need and request that request it to the person. Next up, what are some things an anxious type can say to an avoidant type to de-escalate conflict? Take your time. Take your space. Take your time. Take your space. Take your time, take your space. You need to deal with, and I'm talking about you, you, whoever kind of has this question, you need to deal with the discomfort in you that that brings about. If if the answer to helping a an avoidant type de-escalate is to give time and space, but your internal, that inflammation feels like, I can't do that. That's the part that, that's what you've got to deal with, okay? That doesn't mean that there's something wrong with them. Although there might be some dysfunction there, that's not the point. The point is that if the, if the resolve is to give time and space to someone who likes time and space when they need to decompress, and you feel like you absolutely just can't do it, okay, then that's, a pro, that's your own issue. That doesn't mean that that's not their problem. That's your problem, okay? Um, another thing that you can... Um, so the question, y'all, again, what are what are some things an anxious type can say to an avoidant type to de-escalate conflict? Take your time, take your space. And then finding a you've got to be able to self-soothe enough to get to a place where you don't intrude on that. Now, I also believe in having um, a comeback time, like a time boundary. OK, a helpful thing is asking that person who wants the time and space. OK, take your time and space. Great. I'm in agreement. And when would you like to come back to this? Okay, this is it's fair. Okay, this is we need to we need fair. So it's inappropriate for any for either person to demand only their way because it's going to create a problem, especially in the anxious avoidant dynamic. So, okay, let's agree that time and space is good and necessary. Let's also agree to come back to this. Hi, person who wants to take time and space. When would you like to come back to this? Okay, so that that helps to hold them accountable and it also gives them some decision making power. Okay, avoidance types often feel triggered by by being like they feel like uh, you're demanding that they answer something right now and like the the urgency can freak them out. So, okay, take your time and space. And when would you like to come back to it? And if they say something that is outlandish to you, then you've got to be honest about that. Okay. If they're like in a month and you're like, I just cannot don't agree to something that is not going to, that's legitimately you're not willing to do because then we're just going to circle. You're going to circle back to the same problem. Um, If someone says, I don't know how much time I'll need, then that's a time for you to set it. Okay. Well, I'm only willing to wait three weeks. 
I'm only willing to go 72 hours. I'm only willing to do, to do this for the next six months. So good question. But yeah, just take, okay, you, if you don't know how much time you need, then I will tell you how much time I'm willing to give. Okay, how to know when, um, how, okay, this person says how to know when anxious disappointment is valid versus something internal I need to address. There was also a question that I'm going to group this with. Feeling, uh, this person asks, um, I know that my feelings are coming from my anxious attachment. Should I communicate them or um, deal with it myself? This is one of the most common questions I get. Like, and basically the question is, um, is the, is my triggered feeling real or is it in my head? Okay. It's a really common question and understandably so, right? If you're, if you're an anxious person and you're used to, and you're being, you've been called overreactive and super sensitive, you become insecure about being overreactive and super sensitive. And now you're being um, taught how to speak up. And it's like, well, should I like, is that actually, am I doing my super sensitive hyper triggered thing again? Or is this a legitimate concern that I need to bring to the table? So it's a super normal question. In therapy, here's what you can do in the Healing Childhood Workshop that I have in my bio can help. Deal with your projections by dealing with the past. Deal with your projections by dealing with the past. So in other words, the question, one one part of this question is, am I projecting something negative in the moment that isn't really happening? Well, I can... I can handle that outside of this person by handling, by understanding why is it that I react in this way? It's coming from somewhere back here in the past. We call this a projection when we're bringing that past experience into the moment and kind of asking that person to take responsibility for something that isn't theirs or too much responsibility when maybe there was a genuine offense, but we have a compounded triggered effect because we haven't dealt with what's back there. So in therapy, you can deal with those things. And so I call that like uprooting the seed. We want to take that seed out so that that we don't still get that bad fruit, that anxiety, okay, that ultra cling, the anxious tentacles coming out, okay? I want to uproot that seed from the past so that I can prevent this bad fruit from spilling out into my life. Next, there will be times that you're triggered, especially early on, okay? There will be times that you're triggered, especially early on. I got four things for you, I think. Um, One, come to a place of calm within yourself so that you can think, We've already talked about this, right? We cannot be reasonable, okay? We cannot be as reasonable as we would like when we have an activated sympathetic nervous system. That's your fight, fight, freeze, okay? So you've got to first, um, like when you're, so early on, we're going to be triggered. you got to come to a place of calm so that we can even think clearly through that trigger. Um, it's not helpful when we're super heightened to be like, is it real, is it not? Because we're not, we're not being reasonable in, within our own self. Okay, so we can come to a place of calm. We're much more likely to categorize it correctly from the jump. Second, identify the need that's in the trigger. Every trigger is pointing you to a need that is not being met in that moment. Okay, something that's related to like being safe, um, validated, seen, important, prioritized are those attachment things that we really like that, that gives us that feeling of security. So there's a need that's in that trigger. I need you to be able to identify that. You can do that in my group, Reattach. The waitlist is in my bio. You can also do that in one-on-ones. We can't do that tonight. Number three, ask for what you need. So I can identify what I need so that I'm not just talking about, you didn't text me back. I can actually communicate what I really need. I need to feel prioritized. Um, and, uh, and then I can ask for that. 
Okay. And then not only do I need to make the ask, but I also need to ask if they are able and willing to do it. Hey, y'all, I need to be able to ask if they are able and willing to do it. You can make all the requests that you want, but you've got to have mutual agreement. Okay. And no one, no one is obligated to give you anything that you're asking for, even if it's a really good idea, even if it's secure, even if it's healthy. Not everybody is, is going to be willing or able to actually provide that for you. We'll talk more about willing and able. In the next video. Um, last thing on this, and then we're going to cut this off. Um, and then we got to come back in because I'm only, I want to keep these videos to an hour. Overthinking will keep you spiraling. Okay. So this, this is usually what's happening with someone who asked this question. Y'all who just came in, the question is, um, how do I know when a trigger is valid versus, or if it's something that's internal that I need to address? right? My triggered feeling, is it real or is it something that's in my head? So I want to make this note, overthinking, like going back and forth with yourself will keep you spiraling and you will feel less and less confident. And eventually people typically become paralyzed and just feel like, I don't, I don't know what to do. Everything feels too risky. Okay. So overthinking, going ping ponging back and forth with yourself, um, often makes you feel less and less confident. And then you end up not doing really anything. So um, here's some resolve for that. Giving yourself grace, understanding that as you're going through this thing, it's super normal, again, to wonder, am I doing the healthy thing? So give yourself grace. Sometimes you just need to speak up because you just can't hold it anymore and you are going to, you feel like you're going to explode and you really don't know if it's yours or if it's someone else's, but you just need to get it up out of you. Okay, understand that that's that's normal. It doesn't mean that that's what we want to keep doing. But if you, if it happens, it happens. Honestly, I mean, at some point, we just got to be like, you know what? Sometimes it happens. Sometimes I ask you to be responsible for something that's really not yours. I was super triggered. I was super triggered. I thought that, you know, like I really needed to be able to calm myself down. And I was asking you to take responsibility for something that wasn't yours. It happens. It happens. So give yourself grace. None of us are perfect. I said, we said earlier, secure types aren't perfect. They're well managed, not perfectly managed, well managed. We do the best we can. We're aware, mindful. Okay. We correct what we can. And when we can't, we're human beings. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I think kind of ultimately often it's better to, um, I, I'm inclined to ask someone to speak up. Because I think that's often better than imploding or exploding. Okay, you're gonna try to do it as respectful as my as respectfully as mindfully as possible. Okay, but um, I'm inclined to say say something. If you if you keep ping ponging, I'm inclined to say say something to somebody because I find that to be better than imploding. Okay, going into like isolation with yourself or exploding because you've waited so long and it's just built up. All right, y'all, I'm going to stop this recording. I'm going to come back in like three minutes and we're going to do the next, um, the last like 10 questions. Okay. Thank you for listening. We have one more piece of this particular Q&A that's going to be coming up later in the season. If you are getting something out of this, if this helped you to understand yourself or others better, I encourage you and thank you for your support back into it through Cash App, PayPal, and Venmo. Those are linked below. Cash App and Venmo, it's Tay Chand with a D on the end, Tay Chand. And on PayPal, you can find me, Taylor, at IamTaylorChandler.com. Thank you so much for everyone who has already donated. I certainly appreciate you. I'll see you next time.